Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 32 of the JMAC Tries podcast. This is my conversation with vegan professional triathlete Antoine Desroches. Hey everybody, what's going on? Thank you again for joining another amazing episode of my show. As always, I'm your host, Jason, aka JMac, and this is the JMac Tries podcast. It's been a fun little run, and uh, we are just getting restarted with some amazing conversations coming to you over the next couple of weeks, months, and uh, let's see how long this crazy train continues. So today is my conversation with another professional triathlete. He is a young gun, a young stud. He's also a vegan triathlete, plant-based for the past four years. Uh, he is Antoine de Roche, and he's just coming off a fourth place finish at Ironman Montreblanc, where he absolutely crushed the swim, had an amazing bike and an amazing run to uh, basically crush his goal time by more than 15 minutes. He broke 8.30. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't enough to come in on the podium with a course record by Cody Beals, uh, Lionel Sanders also there, and a return from Matt Russell. But Antoine, as humble as he is, knows what he has to do to uh, to continue the journey. And this was just his first Ironman finish. So he tried his luck at Montremont last year, and uh, had a DNF based on an injury. He had a cracked rib going into the race. And uh, going into this year's race, about a week before, he thought he had a torn hip. So uh, this guy knows how to suffer, especially with a background in cross-country skiing, growing up in cold Canada. Uh, And his pedigree is pretty deep too. His mom was an open water swimmer and water polo player. So this guy knows how to suffer. Found his way into ITU racing short course because as he likes to put it, he wasn't very coordinated to any sports like baseball or anything else. And realized that the longer the race goes on, the more he could suffer, which is why he switched over to 70.3 and now Ironman distance. So a fun conversation with Antoine. Talk about his background, uh, his training leading up to Maltre Blanc, what he has the rest of this year, what the future looks like, and how he does all this on a plant-based diet. So uh, make sure you give him a follow. He's on Instagram. He's at Antoine JD Try. He also has his own podcast called the JD Podcast, so check that out. And uh, just a fun conversation with Antoine, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, In between all these conversations, be sure to tune in to Motivation Monday which my goal is to drop a new short little pod every Monday morning and bring on a different host who's going to give you their version of what motivates them. So check out that every Monday morning here on the JMAC Tries podcast. And in between all those, you're going to have some great conversations like today's with Antoine. So without further ado, professional vegan triathlete Antoine de Roche. Hello, Antoine. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm great. That's good. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. I, uh, so you're up in, are you in the same time, time zone as me, Eastern Standard Time? Uh, yes. I'm in Montreal. So you're, uh, okay. Uh, what's the weather like up there? It's pretty warm for like the, this time of year, like, but it's changing a lot. Like uh, a few days ago, it was super cold and today it's like, super warm. So it's the time of year, like you never know how to dress. So sometimes I'm just so overdressed and sometimes I'm just too overdressed for the bike ride. So it's, it's kind of hard to figure out uh, how to, to dress at this time of year. Do you get humidity up there? Because it's wicked humid here right now where I am. Yeah, it's pretty humid, but it's not like... I just came back from a trip from Hawaii. So compared to Hawaii, nothing is that humid, though. Oh, that's crazy. So you were out... Um, how long were you in Hawaii for? Uh, I think it was... Uh, between two and three weeks. Was it training or was it pleasure? Uh, a bit of both. So it was, I left two days after uh, I remember Tremblant. So like the first few days I was barely able to walk. But then, I, <laughs> but then like just being in Kona, I just wanted to, to train a little bit. So I brought my bike. So after a while, I was able to do some long rides and uh, just swim in the sea. It's just such a beautiful place to train. So it's so motivating when you're training in, in Hawaii. So I just love it there. Do you go out there a lot to train? Uh, it was my first time in uh, the Big Island. I went in uh, Maui a few few years ago, but it was just for vacation. But uh, I definitely want to, to go back to the Big Island uh, soon, though. So nice. Yeah, and then, and then tow the line at Kona someday, hopefully. Yeah, that's the goal for, like, Maybe next year that will be the, like the big goal. So hopefully I can be back here next year. Well, yeah. So let's start with uh, Montrevant. So you uh, you had a so first congratulations. Um, that was your first Ironman finish, and you came. You were just shy of the podium, but still came in fourth place overall. So congrats, man. Thanks. Yeah, that was like awesome race. I was so happy like crossing the line. You you uh you freaking crushed the swim, man! Fifty minutes. Yeah, uh, usually sw the swim is my is my strength, but uh, co like compared to last year, this year it was non wetsuit swim and I did fifty minutes, and last year it was wetsuit swim and I did fifty three. So it went a lot better than last year. Last year I had, uh, I broke my my ribs like a f a few weeks before the the race, so that that wasn't ideal. I'd, didn't do any swim training before the race so this year the preparation was a lot better especially for the swimming so I was able to to have a good have a good swim I always like to say like you need to to train your weakness but you race with your strength and for me my, my strength in the is the swim so if I can make the the race harder by swimming a bit faster I think it's I need to 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 make that uh, to my advantage to, to swim as fast as I can and hopefully have a few seconds or a few minutes on the on the people on my bike because I know they can bike and run uh, super fast. So wait, so you did last year's Ironman with a broken rib? Uh, well, it was it was broken, but I think I broke it maybe three years, uh, three weeks before the race. So at at the point of the the race, it was like I still felt it, but it wasn't too bad. But like I try re. I try a swim workout maybe two or three, two weeks before the race, and it was the most pain I ever felt. Like I was biking after the swim, and every like little hole I was eating, or every time I was trying to stand up, it was the most painful thing. So basically, I couldn't do anything before before the the race. So 
last year the preparation for Ironman Tramlan was pretty bad, so it never goes perfect for a preparation for a race. So yeah, and then I think I saw this year on social that you thought you had a a, a hip injury coming into the race. Yeah, so this this season I started my racing with the twenty point three takes this and. Uh, so basically, I was second of the water, just behind Ben Canute. At, in one of the first corners, I got passed by someone, and I crashed. And uh, I think I, I crashed on my hip, and because of that, uh, I injured my hip, but I didn't know at the time. So I still uh, I wasn't sure if I was, was able to, to continue the race, but I, was, I just decided to, to finish just for the sake of finishing. And I think I should have taking a big break after after that but I continued to to train on my uh, injured hip for for a while and one of my like I'll say one of my strength but it's also one of my weaknesses I can train through the pain mm-hmm. and <laughs> when I'm injured it's not a good thing so basically all summer I've been training with a injured hip and I've been racing with my my hip which was injured so I think like thinking about it now I should have taken like a bigger break uh, after that injury but uh, so even like three on the Wednesday before the race uh, before I remain Tremblant I uh, did like a 20 minute uh, treadmill run and the pain was really really painful like wasn't able to run and I tried to bike after that and it was way too painful I even called I called my doctor I called my coach like I was like there was no way I could, I'm able to, to do an Ironman but my doctor told me, like, even if you have, like, a labral tear or another injury, it's not going to get any better than that. So you should, you should race and see how it goes. And my coach told me the same thing, like, just go day by day and see uh, if you're feeling uh, better on the day of the race. So definitely it wasn't the best preparation, but I was still able to do, like, maybe uh, 60 or plus miles of running per week with my preparation. So I was running through the pain, which is not ideal, but I was still able to, to do some training uh, to get ready for, for the race. Yeah, and, I, and, and I'm only laughing because, you know, as endurance athletes, we push ourselves through immense pain. And obviously, as pros, you go a little deeper than us. But I, just, I remember that text and, and I, or the, excuse me, the, the tweet um, that you put out there because they listed the pro field and you're like, Holy shit! And I don't. I think my I have a tear, a torn hip, <laughs> and I still have to race these guys because it was Cody and Lionel, and it was just it was a stacked field. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, there are people to to race against when you're LT. So when you're not, not under one hundred percent LT, it's like it's even more <laughs> scary. But uh... yes, yeah, so you go in there, you crush the swim um, by a lot, and then you you had a great bike, although. You know, you're, you're, you're biking with Cody and Lionel and Matt Russell was there um, getting healthy as well. Um, and then Cody ends up breaking the course record on the bike. Um, and then you had a solid run. You broke three hours in the marathon. And if, if I remember correctly, is that your first ever marathon? Uh, it's my first marathon. Like, I never done a, any marathon and I haven't finished an Ironman before that. So that was my first marathon. But I, I did one in training because... Uh, it was actually a few years, a few years, a years ago at the ITU Long Distance World Championship in Oklahoma, and I flattened on the race and my pit stop didn't work. So I was like super pissed, and I like I was super, I was fit for the race. I was like, 
well, like I can't race. So at least I'm going to do like a super long run. So I decided to do a marathon just for fun. So that was my first like uh, non-official uh, marathon. But uh, Ironman Tremblant was my first uh, real uh, marathon for sure. That's awesome. And I know, um, and I was kind of just picking, picking some different podcasts that you had done before and some stuff. And you, your goal was 8.45 going in and uh hope you know that was like one goal and then you you know 830 was like a reach you know going 828 yeah with my coach we said like 845 was the like main goal but in my mind i knew i could probably do 840 but to be able to go under 830 was like unexpected so i think the the place where i took a lot more time than what i was supposed to or planned was on the bike because my, my coach is like a scientist. Well, he likes the data and everything. So basically what we did is we used a, big, a best cycling split to determine my the time I wanted to do with my uh, based on my like CDA, the my uh, position and everything. And uh, so basically the time we were planning for the bike was uh, 4.45 or 4.40 if I have a great race. But I was able to do... Uh, 4.35, so I was able to, to take like a 10 minute out of the, the time I was planning so uh, on, on, the, on the bike, but the, the swim and the, the run went pretty much as, as planned. So your coach is a, is a data geek. Are you a numbers guy too? Uh, not really. Like, <laughs> I look at my numbers sometimes, but most of the time like I like to, I'm going to have my computer with me, but uh, my power meter with me on the bike but i don't like to look at that much which can be <laughs> sometimes it's not good like especially in racing like I, a lot of time i went way too far on the bike and i paid the price either at the end of the bike or on the run which was the case uh, last year at Ironman Tremblant. but i think sometimes it's good also to not look at the watts at all because like this year the the goal was to do 445 on the bike so i think it, the the power I was supposed to push was between 250 and 260 normalized power. So I think like if I would have stick with this number, I would probably end uh, a lot farther, like maybe 10 or 15 minutes farther. So maybe like in five, fifth or sixth place. But I just decided to to go by feel, like still take a look at my watts uh, sometimes. But I, I think uh, power meter and watts and everything, it's good for training. But Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're racing. You're racing against yourself. You're racing against your competitors. And if you're just looking at what's in uh, your pace you do on the run, like there's no point in racing because you already know what's the watts that Daniel Sanders can push, what's the watts that Cody Bills can push, and what's the watts that, that I can push. So I think you, you need to take into take your watts into consideration. But at the end of the day, you're pushing yourself. And if you want to test your limits, that's in racing that you're going to do that so in my mind there's i think the watts that i pushed on the race was 290 normalized power and if you would ask me like in a in a in training or a few days or a few weeks before the race like what watts are you able to to push or what what watts are you capable of doing there's no way i would have thought that i was able to to do 290 so i think that sometimes we put like limits on yourself by Mm -hmm. just looking at too much of the data and sometimes you just need to don't care about anything else and just go as fast as, as you can. And sometimes you're going to blow out. But sometimes you're going to have like a, a great race, which 
what uh, end up happening. Yeah, right. I mean, that's why it's it's the old football adage in America. It's any given Sunday, right? It's that's why you play the game. Um, so, and especially, I mean, you probably raced being from Canada up in Canada, grown up with you raced against Cody and Lionel before, I'm sure. Uh, I've raced a lot of them when I was a pro, but I never raced uh, against them uh, before that. So, oh, okay. For the, I think it's my uh, fourth year as a pro, and I've raced them like a lot of time. But before that, uh, I was racing ITU racing, so, uh, and they didn't do uh, ITU racing. So, but like since uh, I've started racing uh, long distance, I've raced them so many times. So I'm used to be, g- getting catched by uh, Sanders on the bike and uh, Cody Bills also on the bike or on the run. So <laughs> I'm used to race against them. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll give you a little, um, so, so Cody was episode number 22. I had him on a couple of months ago after he won, uh, Taiwan 70.3. And after he's been, since he's been on my, on my show, he's won three races, including Malta Blanc. So the, the future's looking bright for you, Antoine, coming on my show. I promise you that. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, so let's go back to, you just mentioned you, you raced ITU before. How did you get into ITU racing? So before that, I was a cross-country skier. So like when I was super young, I did all the sports possible, like basketball, baseball, soccer. But any sport that required like coordination, I was really bad at it. Like especially <laughs> baseball, I was like horrible. Like I don't know why I played baseball, but I guess I, I learned a lot by doing that. But like, but what I realized with that is that I was able to maybe run fast or just being perseverant because I wasn't good in those sports, but I was training a lot. I was trying to get better at those those sports, even though I was probably be, probably the, the worst person in the team at the beginning of the year. I was maybe not the best one at the end of the year, but I was a lot better than I was at the beginning of the season. So I think I, I've learned that you can always get better by training a lot. And that's even uh, more true with uh, endurance sport. Like the more you train, and the, the more you train, and you, you also need to train smart, but you, you get a lot better than that. So it doesn't matter if you're, you're talented or not. You can always train harder, train smarter, and you're going to get better. So that's what I learned, like, growing up doing all those sports. And I discovered uh, cross-country skiing because, uh, like, where I live, there's a nice uh, snow season, winter, winter season. And where I grew up, there was super nice uh, cross-country skiing trails. And I really, really enjoy that, that sport. It's such a complete sport. It's both like super muscular. Like you need to be strong. We also need to be, uh, have a good uh, cardiovascular system. So I think in my mind, like uh, cross-country skiers are one of the most like complete athletes because they're both strong and fast and uh, they have stamina. So, but after a while, like the cross-country the skiing season is so ch- short because the winter season is so short. So you mm-hmm. do a lot of training, uh, cross training. So I did a lot of cycling, a lot of running. And uh, I just decided to do a triathlon for fun because a few of my friends were doing it. So, And I wanted to get ready for the racing season. And I just really enjoy it. And I think I, I much enjoy like training in the summer, training when it's warm, and training in the winter. Like I always used to get like super cold with my end. <laughs> that was like just so painful just because of that. But uh, so after a while, I was doing both sports. But I realized that if I want to really get better at triathlon, I would 
really needed to go like 100% because I was uh, started doing IT like drafting races and that's when I realized that swimming is such a big part of it so I needed to to improve my swimming during the during the winter season so that's when I decided to go all in in triathlon and uh, I haven't looked uh, back since then so so you don't even have a swimming background per se it's you just I mean you have this huge cardiovascular engine from doing cross-country skiing and and by the way I didn't realize how crazy that sport was until I watched the Olympics and just seeing I've never seen so many people collapse when they yeah. cross the finish line before <laughs> and and I'm watching it with my daughter my daughter's 11 year old and she swims um, she's a you know just a great swimmer and trying to explain to an 11 year old what it's supposed to feel like to her you know to, to feel pain and endurance for she doesn't get it until we started watching cross-country skiing and they're all started passing out over the finish line like that's how you have to feel when you finish a race yeah because i feel like with cross-country skiing it's both your your leg muscle but also your your arms muscle so if your legs muscle like are starting to get tired you can just push harder with your with your arms compared to like running it's like you're you're gonna use your your legs muscle completely and then you're pretty much done, but like you can mm-hmm. always like push like I feel like one level uh, more with the cross country skiing than most other sports, and like the pain you feel at the when you're crossing the the finish line is is crazy. That and that's the one of the reasons I, I just love that sport because you can push yourself to to a level that you you can't with a lot of with most other sports. So you need to be a bit like you need to enjoy the pain when if you're racing cross country skiing for sure. Yeah, and I and I crack up as I was going through your Instagram feed before we came on, and it's like every other picture of you is on the ground in pain, crossing a finish line or something. So you truly embrace that pain. Yeah, and one of my new sponsors is called like Love the Pain. They make like of clothing, course. so I feel like it's in the perfect fit because of that. <laughs> yeah, you definitely gonna love the pain in this in this sport. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, so I'm sorry. So I, I kind of got us off track, but so you have no swimming background, cross-country skiing, and then you get into ITU racing, which, again, is that's just – that's full throttle. That's right. Just You're just redlining it from start to finish, especially the swim. you got to kill yourself. Yeah, you need to be, like, a, a really good uh, swimmer and a crazy good runner. So, well, before – like, at the same time, I was doing cross-country skiing. I was also, like, swimming a little bit with my uh, high school – but it was maybe like two or three time, uh, like just like uh, two or three time practices. So I wasn't mm-hmm. like uh, swimming like uh, most kids, like uh, six or eight times, like or double practice or four hours per, per week. So I had a little bit of a, of a swimming background, but I feel like the the swimming background I got is from my, my mother it used to be an open water swimmer and a water polo player. So I think like I learned to swim uh, early, but I haven't trained that much uh, while I was young but I think that maybe in my DNA I have some like swimming uh, background well and plus water polo is another crazy sport so you just yeah, yeah your DNA is ripe with endurance and suffering oh yeah water polo is crazy like my mom told me like she used to put like two bedding suits because people were just ripping the, the bedding suit <laughs> and like basically like there's uh, the 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 judge can't see what's happening on under the water so they're kicking them, themselves and they're pulling uh under the ground so it's a pretty uh 
pretty crazy sport also it's just like the start of a triathlon in the water kicking and swimming yeah. over people <laughs> yeah like one of my friends uh, a triathlete used to be a water polo and and now he's he races itu and i think that being a water polo helped help him a lot with the <laughs> with the start and with the swimming and especially like the first uh first buoy at the itu race like which is usually like at 200 or 300 meter it's complete chaos so if you're you're used to to kill yourself in a water polo game <laughs> you have a big advantage on the uh, on your competitors that's great and how long did you race itu for uh so i think i started uh, doing uh triathlon in 2010 maybe so i did maybe four or five years of uh, maybe four years of itu and uh, now i i'm in uh, my fourth year of uh, long distance training long, long distance uh, racing and what made you kind of, was there something that kind of like clicked or made you switch over to 70.3 and in, in iron distance? Well, I always felt that like it was better as the race was longer. So in the, in cross country skiing, that was the case. Like when the race was longer, I was a lot better than when it was super short race. So I, I knew that I was going to be better at long distance. And that was the same case for, uh, for ITU. Like when I was junior, uh, I was, competing in uh, often in with the, the seniors because I was better at the Olympic distance than at the sprint and uh, one uh, one race um, it was in Ixtapa, uh, Mexico and I, I crashed on the bike, I broke my hand and I was kind of fed up with every time of like crashing so often on the bike and also the dynamic of a race is basically you don't know how the, the bike is going to go. Like sometimes it's going to be like a pack of 30 people, 40 people, and then just ends up being a, a running race. And for mm-hmm. me, I just like to, to push on the bike. So sometimes I would try to attack, but a lot of the time it just didn't happen. So it just finished. The, the winner was the fastest, fastest runner. It wasn't the, the best triathlete. And for me, I wanted to, to, to test myself in the three, in the three sports. So, that's when I decided to do a long distance uh, triathlon for fun, like a non-drafting triathlon for fun. I started with a uh, Olympic distance. I really love it, so I decided to do my first uh, my first seventy point three as an age group, and uh, I just love it. I think I was six overall, so I was like close to the the first pros, and I was like, oh, if I w- I were to be fifth overall, I would have made some money as a pro. So I was like, well, maybe I can can start racing as a pro. Uh, I'm not too far from the from the leader, so at least I can at, I can compete. And uh, so I decided to to get my pro uh, my pro card and and race as a pro because I I prefer to 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 be an average uh, pro than to be a great uh, age group because I always <laughs> want to to test myself. And I felt like if I can compete with the pro and like compete with the senders and the Cody Bills, I, I know I can push myself harder in the training. So I knew that. If I put like really big goals, I'm gonna train super hard to to be able to to reach those goals. So that's why I wanted to to go pro, and and that was uh, four years ago. Yeah, that was um, I, yeah, I wrote it down. It was uh, Ironman seventy point three Muskoga, uh, uh, twenty thirteen. Yeah. So yeah, first age group and sixth overall. So that's that's pretty awesome. And uh, and so now you've been doing all this on a plant based diet. Uh, yes, yeah, so around that time, uh, maybe one year before I turned uh, 
turn forth team maybe in 2012 uh, I saw a video about uh, animal cruelty and I decided to to stop eating meat but it took a while to to go full vegan that was a maybe uh, three or four years ago so uh, so at first it was more mostly like ethical reason but then I saw the movie uh, Cowspiracy, which is about the health imp- the, the impact of uh, eating meat and dairy on the planet so and I always consider myself as someone who's like super uh, environmental conscious. So when I realized the impact that what you eat as on the planet, I decided to go uh, full on vegan. And it's been great. Like I've, it wasn't for, I didn't do it for like health or performance reason, but I feel like since then I've, I've improved a lot. I feel like I can recover a lot faster than, uh, than before which is a big thing because like we spend so much money with like either like the compacts, the normal tech or all the crazy stuff that we, that we can buy. But sometimes just eating better, be, eating more stuff with antioxidants can have a huge impact. So like just eating more broccoli, which is quite a cheap food can have a better impact than uh, maybe a normal tech, which is like two or $3,000. So sometimes it's the simple thing can have a big impact on your performance and on your health. So yeah. Yeah, just taking what's what's what nature is giving us versus something that's being mass produced, right? Um, yeah, I feel like sometimes we try to complicate everything too much, especially 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 like in the nutrition uh, area. Like there's so many like nutrition bars, nutrition powder, and so many products that are so like they try to make it things like a lot more complicated than than it is. But sometimes just eating old food is is the best thing. It's, it tastes better. And it's better for you and it's also better for the planet because it's less, less transformed, less processed. So. Yeah, and, and even and I agree with all that, and especially the fact that it really does taste better. Like, it actually tastes really good. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like also wh- when you try to, to eat as less processed food, your taste, bo- taste buds uh, change too because if you're used to eating so much stuff that contains fat, salt, and sugar, like there's a book called Fat, uh, Sugar, Fat, and Salt. And it's all about how the, the food industry is trying to make food that tastes so good that it just activates your, your brain that you want to get acti- addicted to it and you want to eat more of it. But when you start eating less processed food, just more fruits and vegetables, a lot of things that maybe like in avocado, for example, now it tastes a lot sweeter than it used to because... You're not used to eating so much processed food that are like way too way too sweet. So now, like just normal simple food tastes a lot better than you used before when you try to to eat just mostly uh, old food uh, instead of processed food. Yeah, and um, and it's kind of interesting because I think now even it's 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 moving over. It's becoming more quote unquote mainstream, especially in the endurance community, right? So you're not the first, you know, plant based triathlete, and uh, I, I think Lionel has been doing some plant based, and Cody does a little bit of plant based, but even a lot of the you know some tour riders, but not only vegan or plant based, but just real food, right? Instead of just eating a bowl of pasta and a chicken breast the night before it's actually eating real foods and real grains and um and especially you know because you guys eat consume so many calories you actually have to enjoy what you're eating so it's you 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 have to just enjoy and keep eating and eating and eating yeah and at the same time like i feel like gels are, are great food for performance like i eat gels during my races but like we train so much that if at every training i'm eating gels 
that's so much processed food that you eat like every single day. So I think that what you eat every single day is going to have impact on your, on your overall health. So maybe some, some food are great for, for racing, but sometimes you need to, to eat more old food during your training. And I think I've seen of your Instagram that you've talked to Adam Lim from uh, Scratch Lab. Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. About uh, eating real food and like making rice cake for like his, uh, for Taylor Finney during his, Uh, long uh, bike ride instead of eating like uh, processed bars why don't you make your own bars or make your own rice cake or maybe just bring a few bananas and some dates or, or nuts like sometime maybe the simpler option is grabbing a, a prepackaged bar but it tastes so much better than making making your own bar or making your own uh, something just a peanut butter sandwich is the perfect food for for a long ride so sometimes Just need to to go back to the basic. It's better for your stomach, better for, and you're gonna enjoy it a lot more sometimes than just eating the same bars every single day. Especially yeah, and... when you're training like six, seven hours, uh, like doing six, seven hours ride, like you get sick of eating the the same food. Oh yeah, and I mean, and again, you guys have to consume so many calories to to recover that you don't want just want to. The last thing you want to do after a long ride, be like, oh my god, I got to freaking eat a pound of pasta, you know, with butter. It's like you want to enjoy, yeah, what you're putting in your system, and you know, and even go back to Alan, um, and and they obviously they do have some processed foods there um, that they that that they make through scratch, but even those use real ingredients, right? He's like, we're not. Why reinvent the wheel when you could just pull out of nature what's already there? Yeah, so I think like maybe Squash Lab is one of the only like uh, nutrition powder that actually like expires, you know? <laughs> like yeah, correct. So, like Gatorade is so so processed, and so many other companies that you can have it in your in your house for like forever. But like Squash Lab, if you don't consume it like in a few months, like it's gonna go bad. So which is which is normal because it needs to be it's real food. So I think it's. It's great what they're what they're doing, and they're cool. like, maybe, maybe. and they're teaching athletes to to go back to the basic, teaching athletes to to cook like use a rice cooker when you're traveling and just simple stuff that a lot of athletes uh, didn't know how to do, but now they're they're learn, learning about it. They're learning how to feed themselves properly and not eating too much processed food. Well, I think that kind of nails what plant based diet is and it's it's just being simple right it's it's just going back to basics and what's worked and why we try and make everything so complicated that our body could probably just appreciate the simple foods yeah i think like often uh because i'm i just graduated graduated as a nutritionist and i'm a vegan athlete so i do a lot of uh, nutrition uh, conferences and sometimes i feel like people are almost like disappointed because <laughs> it's like too simple like They want to have a special recipe or a special like supplements that I use that makes me go faster or that's gonna makes them uh, lose weight or go faster. But my diet, my diet is pretty simple, and the diet I suggest people to eat is really simple. So sometimes <laughs> they're like, "Oh, I thought you were gonna show me like something I didn't know." But it, it's it's simple old food that that stays great and that that works well for you. That's yeah, that's awesome. And right, so you yeah, you have a, a nutrition and food science degree from McGill, so you know what the heck you're talking about. Oh uh, yeah. Cool. So listen, Antoine, as we're um as we're wrapping this up, I want to just give one more shout out to so you you are obviously a guest on my podcast, but you also have your own podcast out there called the JD Podcast. 
Yeah, so at first it was known as the Now Podcast, but then I, I changed it to the, to the JD Podcast. So it's a podcast more like in general about health, sport, and I really like to talk about mindset. So right now I'm, I'm in between, like I just graduated, but I'm still studying at university. And one of my subjects I like the most to study is uh, psychology. And I, I like to read books about uh, the mindset. I like to read the... And I don't know if you know the, the podcast of Michael Gervais, who's one of the biggest sport uh, psychologists in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I like to talk about mindset. I, I like to, to know what's happening inside the head, uh, inside the head of, the, of the best athletes or the best entrepreneurs and the best, like, the best people in the world. Like, why are they better than other people? Or like, why are they able to succeed? And a lot of the time, it's what's inside their, their head. So I want to understand, like, what's happening inside the head of a like those people and so that's the idea of the podcast and i also have another one in french which is which is called like le blog du triathlete so it's more like a race recaps and just some interviews but uh all in uh in french so if you have like francophone uh, listeners to the podcast uh, maybe they'll they'll be uh, interested in it oh cool i have to yeah we'll definitely pass that on and uh, well i'm totally gonna butcher your name so please tell everybody what the the jd stands for in the jd podcast <laughs> Yeah, so JD is for Jolie Car des Roches. So that means, uh, in English, it means beautiful art and uh, the rocks. So, uh, so my full name is Antoine Jolie Car des Roches. So every time, like I'm racing, especially like in, uh, like in Mexico or other places like that, like, <laughs> I hear so many different versions of my name. So sometimes I'm like, oh, just call me Tony. <laughs> it's simpler. Tony, <laughs> Tony de Roches. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Antoine, like I said, um, I truly appreciate you coming on. And uh, this was uh, this was just a fun conversation. And uh, I'm glad to have you on, especially after your kick-ass performance at Mont Blanc. So thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for doing this and uh, talking to all those athletes and entrepreneurs and other people uh, in the Trotton area. Yeah, it's a fun community, and everybody's so open and honest. And I think the honest part has been the been the best part of this, right? I mean, especially with a lot of pro athletes and and other people, it's like you know nobody's perfect. So it's good to kind of pull pull the curtain back a little bit and see the the real people out there. So I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, this is what I like about podcasts because you can talk for like usually you're just used to having hearing like a two three minutes interview of the the winner of the race, but now you can actually talk for to them but for like 30 40 minutes or, or more so you can actually understand like their their life what they're going through and you can understand the what the the athlete is about so that's why i love podcasts so thanks for doing it yeah my play yeah especially over an eight and a half hour race a lot of shit happens during that yeah. time so we, <laughs> you got to dive in a little deeper yeah. than two minutes <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, so everybody can find you on Instagram. You're at Antoine J D T R I, and uh, go check out the J D podcast and um, your other podcast in French, which again I'm not going to butcher. So I'll let people find that. And uh, Antoine, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, look forward to following the rest of your journey this season and beyond. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. All right, there you have it, my conversation with vegan professional triathlete Antoine Doroche. What I tell you, that guy can suffer. And uh, I love his quote, 
train your weakness, race your strength. And he left it all out there at Montreblanc, and he's getting ready for Ironman Louisville, I believe, in a couple weeks. So go follow Antoine on Instagram. He's at Antoine JD Try. Go check out his podcast, the JD Podcast, and uh, let's see what the future holds for Antoine because it certainly looks bright. As always, I want to thank every single one of you out there for listening for sharing, for giving me the five stars on iTunes, and uh, for tagging hashtag JMACTries. This is a lot of fun. I enjoy doing this, and I enjoy bringing you guys great and amazing conversations. Check out my next conversation coming up next week with Talbot Cox, uh, the great videographer and photographer, as he gets ready for Kona. So go follow Talbot. And uh, let's see what's going on in Kona for the next couple of weeks that is coming up. And uh, also be sure to tune in every Monday to Motivation Monday here on the JMAC Tries podcast. And if you want to be featured on Motivation Monday, DM me. You know how to find me. I'm on Instagram at JMAC underscore tries. Until next time, talk soon.